It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, it's draft day, baby. Will the Raptors pivot and make a move up the board for Scoot Henderson? Or will they go towards running it back, something that seems more plausible with some salary cap news that dropped yesterday? We got that, plus my final big board and listener questions to send you off into the draft. Let's get to it. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, June the 22nd, which means it's draft day. It's all very exciting. And we on today's show, we're going to tee all of that up for you and hopefully in pretty evergreen fashion. We'll see. Maybe things happen in the next two hours that render this podcast moot. Either way, I'm your host, Sean Woodley. Uh, thanks so much for being here. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. Uh, you can go follow me on Twitter at WoodleySean. If you're still using Twitter, you can go follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram at LockedOnRaptors. And of course, the place to be tonight is the Locked On Raptors Discord server. It's popping off, man. And it's going to be, uh, I think, a pretty great spot to react to whatever goes down for the Raptors tonight. The link is in the description of the podcast, whether you're listening on audio or watching on video. So come 
come hang out. And speaking of audio and video, please go subscribe to the show for free wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. It's much appreciated when you support the show. It's free to do. It makes me feel very good inside. So thanks in advance for doing that. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Go check them out. Okay. On today's show, we're going to dig into some listener questions because that feels like the best way to keep this at least a little bit evergreen. Uh, you know, there's plenty of rumors and scuttlebutt to dig into, but at this point, it's all so smoky and, uh, you know, it just none of this feels like we can really discern anything from the rumors because they're all being planted for a very specific reason uh, with many agendas and all that. So we'll talk about the team as it is right now. We'll dig into uh, my ultimate sort of final big board of, of like the top guys I'd like to see the Raptors end up with at 13 uh and we'll again get your listener questions in but let's start now with uh maybe just like a bit of a a primer for everybody just i know this has been an off season where there's been a lot of talk about pivoting to something new for the raptors last year very disappointing 41 wins toxic vibes just kind of a, a very unpleasant season to watch for the most part trades that uh you know split the fan base down the middle it's been very contentious and i think there's been a lot of a desire to see the raptors pivot to something new i think you have to prepare yourself for the reality that that just might not happen of course the blazers thing is out there and on talent alone pascal siakam is probably the best player that the portland trailblazers can go out and get to add to damian lillard and go forward with right now you know, Zion Williamson's out there. I would take Pascal over Zion in a vacuum a thousand times out of a thousand because Pascal actually uh, plays basketball games, which is a thing, sadly, that Zion Williamson has not been able to do through four seasons. That said, you know, there are all sorts of things that could cause this trade to not happen. It's more likely than not, probably like 90% likely, that this will not get over the finish line and the Raptors will pick at 13 and they will not be adding Scoot Henderson to their mix with the third pick. You know, the, the, the Blazers, they have incentives for other reasons, right? You know, maybe they want to go and get someone like a Zion who, yes, is carrying a lot more risk, but is more financially certain. The idea of paying Pascal Siakam a new extension in, in a year's time could be pretty burdensome for a Blazers team that already is going to have Damian Lillard on a massive salary. You get Pascal Siakam in the door, pay him next year as well, and all of a sudden the second apron becomes a concern and you're right back in the team-building predicament that the Blazers find themselves in where they can't quite put a great enough team around Damian Lillard to compete. You know, there's also, I think if you listen to any of the Portland people, Sean Hyken, uh, Mike Richmond, uh, Blazer Banter, all of the people who cover the team and kind of know the ins and outs of the relationship between the Blazers and Damian Lillard, they all seem to think that it's very unlikely that the Blazers are going to actually just like have to go trade Damian Lillard immediately. I think there's a bit of more of a middle ground here where just because the Blazers use the pick on Scoot Henderson, which I think is like objectively the healthiest thing for the franchise to do, assuming Scoot's there at three, whether it's Brandon Miller, whatever. Um, you know, th that it's there's, there's a big reason for the Blazers to just go ahead and take Scoot. You don't get opportunities to pick in the top three all the time. You don't get opportunities to set yourself up for whatever your next vision is going to be all that often. And so they probably should just make this pick. All of the signs point towards this being the smartest decision. And if there's any inkling that Damian Lillard might actually be okay with that and is all right kind of continuing forward, 
you know, you listened last night. Uh, I was listening last night to Jake Fisher on the uh, on the Clock podcast with Kristen Peek over at Yahoo, and he pointed out, like, even if Dame does request a trade, there's no obligation for the Blazers to go and trade him, and they could play it like the Kevin Durant re- uh, request last summer, where they take a long time, and eventually it just kind of ends where they, you know what, we're just going to keep the guy in our team and go forward. There's no obligation here. We're not just going to trade Dame for whatever the Heat can give us because that's where he wants to go. They have no obligation to just trade him to whatever location he decides he wants to he does not Bradley Beal he doesn't have a no trade clause all this stuff so all of that the fact that it might not just be as black and white as the Blazers use the pick and then are able to go ahead and and, you know have to force you know trade Dane the next day uh you know it's not that black and white if it is that if that that's the case if they are concerned about the money of Pascal Siakam being on the books beyond next year uh, and sort of the, the roster building concerns, despite the excellent on-court fit that's undeniable between Pascal and Dame theoretically, all those signs point towards that's not going to be a deal that's there for the Raptors tonight in all likelihood. It could be, of course, with these, this is all posturing, right? And maybe we get down to the wire and the Blazers pull the trigger and the Raptors end up with a third pick and everyone's jumping for joy. I would be sad to see Pascal go, of course. We'll be really happy to see him land on a team with Damian Lillard, and that'd be a super fun combo. We watched a lot of Blazers games, if that's the case. But there's a world in which that happens. I don't think it's a terribly plausible one for it to go down, because it's usually not plausible for any trade to happen. The odds of any trade happening are incredibly slim compared to the trade not happening. With all that, too, there's the salary cap stuff that came out yesterday. Finally, the CBA seems to have been set up, and the the salary cap's been announced for next year. And according to the reports from Adrian Wojnarowski, Shams Charania, etc., it's going to come in a little higher than expected, about $2 million higher on the salary cap and about $3 million higher on the luxury tax line than was originally projected. And that makes it so the Raptors are going to be in a position where if they can't make that sort of franchise pivoty type move tonight, there's going to be a very clear avenue to just run this thing back. And I know that's not what most people want to hear. I don't know. Maybe it's 50-50. I don't know the exact split of the run it back versus blow it up camp. Um, I'm certainly pretty amenable to the idea of running it back just kind of as a rule. This was kind of my thing even back during the, the you know, 2014-15. You lose to the Wizards. I was still run it back. You know, they, they get swept by the, the Cavs a few times. Before the Kawhi Leonard trade, I was saying, you know what? Run it back because you're not doing any better than what you got right now. So just stick with it. I still think that's probably the case here. If the Raptors can't find themselves a franchise-altering pivot trade, the best move here might just be to run it all back, pay Fred Van Vliet, pay Jakob Pertl. They have more room now to pay those guys, and you know, with the way you know salaries are structured, you start with the lower salaries in the first couple of years, and then you have raises over the years as well. Uh, they can very comfortably at this point, with Gary Trent Jr. opting into his deal, keep Fred Van Vliet and Jakob Pertl on the team and stay under the luxury tax, which is going to be the sort of goal, I would think. And, you know, they have other maneuverability as well, whether it's Thad Young's money or Chris Boucher, you find a deal for him. There's all these sorts of different options for them to, you know, cut the money and more or less run it back with the addition of the 13th pick, with the addition of maybe some sort of mid-level signing, or if you're in the tax and the tax mid-level, I don't think they'll be in the tax, but whatever. Um, And then you have the hope that Darko Ryakovich comes in and changes the culture, changes the way the team plays offense, 
figures out a way to fit the pieces together more effectively, make everybody happy within their roles, set up an actually functioning basketball team, which the Raptors just were not at, at any point last year. They were just this sort of piece together life raft, trying to make it all work, doing everything they could to scramble to shore, ultimately not quite making it. Uh, you know, I think there's a world in which you run it back and the team is a lot better off for it and, and you get the growth from Scotty Barnes, you get the leap that everybody thought this team was capable of a year ago, just on a delayed timeline. I think that's a viability, a viable possibility here. And I think that barring some trade for a Scoot Henderson type tonight with Pascal Siakam going out the door, that's going to be the most likely way this thing goes. Talk yesterday, Jake Fisher was on the Raptors show with Will Liu and Alex Wong, dug into, you know, the Raptors and Fred have mutual interest in, in sticking with one another. All of that, whatever your opinion is, of what the Raptors should do, what they're likely going to do is, barring some trade with the Blazers tonight, run it back and hope that Darko Ryakovich and some tinkering and a new breath of life in the 13th pick can be enough to sort of change the fortunes and have the team, you know, and again, you can disagree with whether you think that. I happen to think that's the best route here. Barring the, the, the trade for number three, I think running it back is the best route. I don't think you just trade guys for the sake of trading guys, and I don't think there's a deal out there for Pascal or OG right now who really, uh, really, you know, again, I don't know the deals. I don't know the offers on the table, but just kind of putting two and two together, looking at the landscape of the league, it doesn't feel like there's a move there that changes the fortunes of the team quite like a move up to three woods. So run it back, keep the good players you have, retain them, figure it out down the line with trades pivoting from a more of a position of strength with with guys on deals that are actually, you know, going to have term with them and stuff like that too. So look, I know it's not the ideal, but I think that's, you got to prepare yourself for the possibility that that is what's going to happen here. And just kind of digging into all the rumors and scuttlebutt, trying to cut through the noise and figure out what's what that feels like where things are headed here. If the Portland deal does not get over the finish line, we're going to come back on the other side, get into my final sort of, List of hopes and dreams for the draft at 13. Uh, and we got some mailbag questions as well. Tied to the draft, tied to potentially trading back, tied to running it back, all that good stuff. We'll get to all of that momentarily. Before we do, however, got to tell you about our good friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the most comfortable shorts in the whole wide world. Basically, the end of the day, they make you look good. Shorts are meant to be a cooling agent in the summertime. They're meant to be relaxing. They're meant to be breathable, meant to be versatile. Bird Dogs checks all those boxes, baby. And of course, they've changed the game because they have an internal lining, a comfort lining in all of their shorts that makes underwear obsolete. Who wants extra layers on in the summertime? I sure don't. But if you have shorts that operate both as shorts and underwear, how could you not want to roll with that? They're super comfortable, very breathable. You can, again, do use them for any occasion, whether you're going out with friends, whether you're going on a date, whether you're going to the gym. The shorts are super, super versatile. And uh, go check them out right now. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. Tumbler, you don't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Go check them out. Birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. 
available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on here with your uh, draft day Killing time while we wait for the draft to actually happen podcast. Uh, thanks, as always, to the everyday listeners of the show. If you are an everydayer, let us know in the comments. If you're not an everydayer and you've missed some of the great stuff we've had over the last few days, go check it out. Joe Wolf on yesterday, digging into our off-season optimism about the Raptors, or lack thereof. Uh, on Tuesday with Vivek Jacob, digging into the Gary Trent Jr. stuff. And uh, Monday, Raphael Barlow with some great intel on prospects and the trade talks with Portland all of that go check those out and uh let's dive in now my final big board for tonight like what am i really hoping for at 13 for the raptors i think i've made it pretty clear i'm a little buffkin boy baby uh he is kobe buffkin the 6-5 guard out of michigan who to me is like the most well-rounded guard in this group uh, uh, who might be available for the raptors at 13 this group involves whole lot of guys you know i talked about anthony black in the lead up to the draft it feels like it's probably a stretch for him to fall to 13 at this point but anthony black casein wallace jalen hood shafino nick smith keontae george uh, all these guys uh, to me of the guard types the raptors could take at 13 which i really hope they take because this team even with fred van vliet and gary trent jr if they bring him back that needs guard play it was just like a massive dearth of guard play on the team last season and so for me, of that group of guards, to me, it's not even just like who do I, th- of the guys I think is going to be there at 13. I actually think Kobe Bufkin is like the best prospect of these guys. And look, I'm not an expert. I'm using my sort of very limited knowledge of this stuff and using other people's opinions to kind of inform mine along with what I've watched of these guys. But I just kind of think Kobe Bufkin's got the goods, man. He's 6'5". He shot 71% at the rim this season in college. A notoriously, uh, you know, lack of spacing heavy level of basketball, getting to the rim and scoring that efficiently as a guard, ridiculous. It's really, that's a number that pops off the screen. It's been in my head really since the first time I talked about Kobe Bufkin. And he was really the first prospect that I spent time kind of profiling on this show. And he has been in the pole position for me ever since then. Um, you know, the fact that he can play on or off the ball, the fact that I think him and Scotty Barnes as like a handoff duo as two guys who could play in concert with one another, really, really exciting. I think the three-point shot is going to be there. I think the playmaking can come along. He averaged three assists a game this year and, you know, didn't really even have his responsibility leveled up until the second half of the season. Um, you know, he's just got a lot going for him and the weaknesses for him, they don't really stand out as like, that's a very glaring, troublesome weakness. It's like, oh, he's a little bit skinny. Yeah, he's very young. He's 19. He's actually younger than most of the players in this draft, despite being 19. Sorry, in his second year of school, he went into school early. Like, he, he's, a, he's a younger guy. And usually, younger guys are going to fill out. And if not, he still has been a, a very high-level defender in college, very high-energy defender. I feel like he's going to be like a defensive playmaker type from what you see on the film. Um, You know, even if maybe he gets hunted by bigger bruising wings, look, the Raptors have plenty of ways to counter that with their own big bruising wings on defense. And so I think Kobe Bufkin's the clear guy. It would be really cool if this sort of, you know, how often do you hitch your wagon to a dude in the pre-draft process and he actually ends up being picked by your team? Um, would be pretty cool if the Raptors ended up with him. It seems like there might be some hot competition for him, 
But I also think the way the draft is shaken out with Bilal Koulibaly potentially jumping up into the top 10, some of these guards are going to drop. There's going there's a run on forwards, it seems, between Taylor Hendricks and Jairus Walker. Uh, you know, obviously, Anthony Black, Kaysen Wallace have been kind of projected as the first couple guards off the board after the top group. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're, the math is there for the Raptors to have Kobe Bufkin ab- available to them at 13. And Jonathan Gavoni, in the latest ESPN Draft Express mock, had him at 13 to the Raptors. Plenty of different options for the Raptors, of course. Plenty of ways this could go, but for me, he's top of the list for me. Cason Wallace, probably number two. Uh, I think he's just like, you look at Cason Wallace, look at the sort of the profile, look at the three-point shot, which feels like it's going to scale up pretty nicely. The defense, the size, like... He's going to be a good NBA player for a long time, man. And maybe there's some sort of Kentucky guard bounce that we've seen be a thing in recent years to also come from Cason Wallace, who, of course, went to Kentucky. Um, I, I like Cason Wallace quite a bit. I would not be disappointed whatsoever if he's the pick at number 13. I have him a little bit behind Bufkin, but I would not be upset. Um, I also am very much in on Jordan Hawkins just because uh, you know maybe the, the on-ball upside is not quite there for him. But the three-point shooting is, the movement three-point shooting, maybe it's less of a thing now that Gary Trent Jr. is going to be back, although we don't know what Gary Trent Jr.'s long-term future with the team is, and you don't want to draft for what the roster is right now necessarily. you got to project years out, of course, and just take the guy you think is the best. Maybe you don't think Hawkins is that, and I think that's fine. If you're not a Hawkins head, I, I totally understand, because I don't know if there's the same on-ball upside with a guy like Hawkins as there is with a Wallace or a Bufkin or any of these other sort of more sort of guard-oriented types. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, Hawkins would be a really nice fit, man. Just shooting on this team would be super valuable, and also I value guys who win, and you win it at college. You win the NCAA championship. Yes, a lot of it is luck. Yes, if it's it's a small sample, you don't want to go off entirely on the tournament. But some dudes just got it. Some dudes just have like that sort of winning edge. And I think you could argue Jordan Hawkins might be the guy in this draft who could most boast having that as part of his game. So I'm pretty in on Jordan Hawkins. That's kind of my top three. I think for me next, it's probably Jalen hood Shafino. I think the episode we did on Monday with Raphael... Raphael kind of made me feel all right about Jalen hood Shafino growing into an off-ball shooter. Uh, most of his shooting right now is done on the ball. He's been super ball-dominant in college at Indiana, uh, kind of carried everything for that team. And, and so that's like the hang-up is can he play off the ball? Because whoever the Raptors draft is going to have to play alongside Scotty Barnes in some way, shape, or form. Scotty's going to have the ball. At, you know, he's, I don't think he's going to be necessarily the traditional point guard a lot of folks seem to want him to be. I'd rather see Scotty Barnes kind of affect all sorts of positions and, and roles on the floor because I think he can do that. He's really talented and well-rounded as far as the areas in which he can you know excel. And so you're going to have to have someone who can play off, but also someone who also can handle the ball is not a bad thing either. To have more ball handlers is good, and I think Jalen hood Shafino offers that quite a bit. So he's probably number four for me. Then I think I slot in Bilal Koulibaly, who's a bit less of the sort of guard type, um, but considering how he's being hyped up, it almost would feel at this point like a miracle if he did slip to 13, and if that's the case, it probably means one of these guards is off the board, Multiple multiples of these guards are off the board if Koulibaly's there at 13. Um, and so maybe you're a bit of a diminished guard pool to choose from. And the upside there seems pretty enticing, man. Like I know he's getting like the Victor Wembanyama hype train treatment right now. And of course he's going to talk about his teammate and countrymen in glowing terms. But the fact that he was a very impactful player on a French team that went to the finals of the French league, which is no slouch of a league. 
I do think that matters. I think, you know, showing out against good competition, against grown-ass men, is a really important thing. And so I, I'm kind of on the Koulibaly train as well, a little bit, as far as I think he's going to be good. Do I think he's a perfect fit for the Raptors right now? No, not necessarily. Would I prefer guard play? Yes. But if he's there at 13, maybe you can't pass that opportunity up if you really feel like he's got that projectable upside. Um, beyond that, Keontae George, probably just below Koulibaly for me. I, I'm a, a higher on George after speaking with Raphael on Monday than I have been throughout this process. I still kind of feel like he, he's more sort of tracking towards like the very good sixth man bucket getter type. Um, I don't love his playmaking and, you know, hey, good six man bucket getter, that's useful. I would rather just go for someone I think is a little bit more tailored to be a starter playing alongside and complimenting other players. That's why Bufkin keeps on coming back to mind for me. I feel like he can play with anybody, um, whether he's on or off the ball. So that's kind of my, my top six after that. Like, you know, obviously if like a Grady Dick falls, that's a really tough one to uh, pass up on. He seems like the, the three-point shooting is going to be top of the class probably. Uh, and there's a lot of sort of intangible and connective stuff with Grady Dick that's really, really likable as far as his overall skill profile. Maybe you worry about the defense a little bit, but he's big. Like, you could probably make it work. And the three-point shooting would be an incredible value to this team that badly needs shooting, badly needs ways in which they can roll out different kinds of lineups. And you get a guy who's, what, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, in the form of Grady Dick, who can also bomb away from three. That opens up your versatility a little bit as well. So I'm not against that. I've just not really been penciling him in to get to 13. But if he does, then certainly I'd be okay with that pick as well. This is the thing, is there's not really a bad pick in this range, I think, for the Raptors. Maybe you'd like to see them move up if you're really like, oh, God, you got to get Kobe Bufkin like I am. Maybe you want to see them look at that Mavs pick at number 10. Jake Fisher on that uh, on the Clock podcast did mention that the Raptors have at least called about number 10. Um, I don't know if I am in on paying up to get up three spots in a draft where it does feel very flat talent-wise. Uh, but if maybe the Raptors are married to a guy, maybe that's you know a thing they look into doing. I just don't really see how they do that very effectively. Either way, that's kind of my, my board. And, you know, as far as like do not draft guys, look, my do not draft board is maybe not as meaningful as like an actual scouts do not draft board. I just kind of don't think Nick Smith Jr. is it. And I would be, I don't want to say disappointed, but I would not be enthused necessarily based on what I've seen of Nick Smith, what I've read about Nick Smith's game. Um, he just doesn't really check many boxes for me. Uh, he's sort of like a, a less enticing version of Keontae George in my mind. So, that's kind of it. As long as it's not Nick Smith Jr., I, I feel like I'm going to come out pretty happy with whatever the Raptors do here. And even then, if it's Nick Smith Jr., there's stuff to like there as well, and you probably shouldn't pass judgment on prospects before they played a single NBA game either. So that's kind of where I'm at. We're going to come back to the other side, run through some quick listener questions, going to go rapid-fire style, because we've got a lot of them, and I talk too much about the draft. So we'll get to that in just a sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Of course, it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every vehicle part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part's going to fit. And if it doesn't, you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply this is jake from locked on 
Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, rounding it out here with the final segment here, leading you into the NBA draft. We've got a handful of listener questions pouring in. Let's get to them. Uh, we'll uh, try to go rapid fire through these. One from Stago in the Discord. By the way, get in the Discord. This is how you get your questions answered now. It's a new world here on Locked On Raptors. Stago asks, who would you target with the Brooklyn picks if we trade down? I believe the Brooklyn Nets are at 20 and 22. As I look this up, I'm pretty sure that's it. They have two picks in the early 20s. I know this for sure, uh, but let me just pull it up to be absolutely certain uh yeah the brooklyn nets pick 21 and 22 so a couple picks back to back not a bad thing if you wanted to trade back from where the raptors are at 13 Uh, you know there's something to the idea of hey there's a lot of guys who are talented here i would imagine someone we like from this guard group is going to be there at 21 or 22 and then maybe with the second pick we can do like the raptors thing and take like an upsidey guy um so if i'm the raptors and i do trade back from 13 which i i don't think that's terribly likely but if they do and it's with brooklyn to get 21 and 22 you're not going to be in the kobe buffkin range you're not going to be in the case and wallace range but and probably not Keontae george and there's a lot of noise right now but the lakers wanting Keontae george at 17 so he's probably not there but maybe Jalen hood Shafino's there at 21. You can land Jalen hood Shafino if you think that's the way the draft board's going to go. And then with 22, maybe you take a Leonard Miller or someone like that who, again, is a bit more of a projecty, upsidey, Raptors-y type dude who doesn't exactly address the guard need of right now. So that's probably it. But honestly, I would rather... I like where the Raptors are. You get below that 17-18 range, and I think you start to risk not getting those guys that you really want who address the needs for the team right now. And so I'd probably advise against trading down, but you know, adding two first-round picks, not the worst thing in the world if that does happen. Next one here from Epic Moppus asking, with Washington tearing it all down for nothing, what are the chances Toronto could pry Tyus Jones or Monte Morris away for not that much in return? Honestly, if I'm the Raptors, I'm calling up the, the, the Wizards right now and saying, guys, something's wrong here. You have DeLon Wright, Tyus Jones, and Monte Morris. You have the 29th, 30th, and 31st best point guards in the NBA. This is weird. You also just lost Chris Tapp's Porzingis. You're probably not going to have Kyle Kuzma on the team. Why don't you take a lightly used Chris Boucher and send us one of them point guards back here? I think the Raptors got to add guard depth for sure. I'm fully convinced of that. And if I'm Washington, I know their whole thing is, oh, we're going to get all this cap space and absorb contracts and all this stuff to get first round picks. You also have to have like players to play basketball for your basketball team. 
And I feel like Chris Boucher just like getting to go full Tampa with the Wizards would be kind of fun. Like, I don't know. Like, we're talking about pretty similar level like bench players respectively, right? I don't think they're getting Tyus Jones for Chris Boucher. I think he's probably too good, but a Dolan Wright or a Monte Morris for Chris Boucher just to kind of balance the roster, the kind of thing I've been talking about for months now, flipping Boucher to the, you know, for example, the Pacers for a guy like TJ McConnell was something I was intrigued by as well, just to get some guard depth onto the bench. You know, if you can get a Monte Morris or a DeLon Wright or a Tyus Jones for Chris Boucher, I think, uh, you know, obviously you need the Wizards to want that, but I think it makes sense for the Wizards to want to not have all three of those backup point guards on their team, but also the Wizards make no sense, so who the hell knows? But yeah, I'd be calling the Wizards right now to see if you can get some sort of point guard for Chris Boucher, you know, flip-flop figured out. Also, that would help clear the decks for the Raptors beyond this season because Boucher's got money guaranteed for 2024-25 as well. Uh, next one here from Ben Chapman. In the event of running it back, since we can't get the front office to state an organizational goal, what would constitute success in 23-24? Honestly, you know, top six would be nice. It'd be really cool. I, I think bigger picture, does Darko Ryakovich's philosophy get in, in sort of infused into the team? Are they playing a more sensible style of offense? I think the results will come with that. But ultimately, I think it's going to be about process more than results next season if they do, in fact, run it back. And it will be about how Darko Ryakovich reimagines the fit of the pieces on this team into a more sensible basketball team that plays real offense and doesn't have to gimmick it up and be the offensive rebounding and transition focused team and all of that. Um, I'm sure they'll still do that because, you know, those are undeniable strengths of some of these players. But the biggest thing for me is. Do they change the way they play? Do they maximize what Scotty Barnes is doing? Obviously, Scotty taking a jump in 23-24 is going to be tied to whether or not the season's viewed as a success as well. Um, and ultimately, I think, you know, there's there's a very much a pathway for this team that everyone agreed was too talented to finish with 41 wins last year to, in fact, win up to its talent level or perhaps even beyond that if they can do the bigger than in some of its parts things thing. And so, yeah, I think... Ultimately, I don't know, first round, maybe you win a round, get top six, look like a real team, play basketball in like a joyful way. Those are some of the ways success will be sort of created, I think. And it depends too, like what does the East look like after all the dust settles over the next week or two? We'll see. Lastly here, AC94 asks, if we sign Fred Van Vliet to a three times 30 or four uh, or 30 times three years or four years, do you see him still having good trade value if he has a similar season to last year? Look, the start of Fred Van Vliet's season last year was not good. He finished the season as the typical 24 and seven guy that he's been for three seasons now. The defense, yes, there was a bit of slippage. He's not, like, unplayable defensively. There's a difference between Fred Van Vliet at borderline all-defense level and, uh, you know, awful, can't-play-him, unplayable defensive player thing. Like, he's in the middle of that somewhere now, probably. He's still an excellent off-ball defender, and the three-point shooting he provides, the guard play he provides, is incredibly valuable. I, I, I just can't wrap my head around the concept of this team doesn't have guards already. It's very low on guard play. Let's just gleefully let the best guard on this team walk out the door for nothing. It's non-tenable. Even if you don't think Fred Van Vliet is the best option for this team right now, keeping him is unquestionably better than letting him walk for nothing full stop. And I do think his contract will have trade value. The cap is going up 30, 32 million bucks a year on an annual cap hit is not this 
albatross proportion of the salary cap as there are other guys out there going to be making 40 50 60 million dollars it's not going to be that damaging a deal to have on your books he's still good he was excellent after the acapurdle trade when he was given a pick and roll big man to work with for the first time essentially since he took over as the starting point guard of the raptors there's plenty to like about fred van vliet and what he does for this team and i think you know, looking around the league, it's going to be difficult as the second apron comes in. It's going to be difficult for teams to do sort of like big, massive swing for the fences type trades. We might see a lot of trades like we saw go on last night with the Kristaps Porzingis Marcus Smart swaparoo. Uh, there's a fun word. Uh, and like those types of trades where it's okay, we're going to trade player for player because of the fit. You know, the contracts, they're all going to kind of line up because everyone's on a big contract. Like, Fred Van Vliet's going to have value. Some team out there is going to look at Fred Van Vliet and say, that dude's won a championship, that dude hits threes, that dude can handle the ball, doesn't turn it over. He's someone we want on our team, if it comes to that for the Raptors. And if not, and he's just good for the next few years because he's 29, he's not dead, even though small point guards do age less gracefully. Uh, I don't think like he's going to be just this useless husk of a man in the next couple seasons. That's overstating it. He's going to have some value. You'll be able to move off of his deal. You'll be able to move off of his deal for more than the nothing you'll get for him if he walks right now. I can promise you that. With that, we're going to leave it there. Thank you for sending in your listener questions. It's much appreciated. I hope everyone's enjoying the draft lead up. Join the Discord. We're going to be hanging out there tonight uh, and uh, having some good times, just reacting as it goes along. I'll have an episode drop late tonight as well, so keep an eye out there as we will react to things as they happen. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe there's a big trade. Maybe we're hours away from Pascal Siakam being on the move to Portland and the Scoot henderson Scotty Barnes era beginning. We shall see. Either way, we'll have you here late tonight with an episode to break it all down. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, thanks for being an everydayer. If you are that, if you're not, become one, huh? It's much more fun that way. Uh, also, the Discord. Come hang out and uh, go follow the show wherever you follow the show, on your favorite podcast apps, on the socials, all that good stuff. And of course, subscribe on YouTube. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you tonight. Enjoy the draft, everybody. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.